right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are answering your listener questions on the Atlanta Falcons, including who's got the greater probability, Matt Ryan winning a second MVP or Julio Jones winning a Super Bowl with the Titans. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. I've been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter, at FalcFans, and, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today is a Q&A, a Wednesday wisdom mailbag, whatever you want to call it. And we'll be answering a bunch of listener questions on today's episode. But before we get into that, guys, I do want to plug the Peacock and Williamson podcast podcast, one of the national NFL shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where you get analysis on every team and every move from NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson. Subscribe to the Peacock and Williamson podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So today's episode is a Q&A where you guys submitted questions and I will be uh, giving you answers uh, before we get into many of the illustrious questions that you guys sent in, like what is one free agent I would like to see the team sign? Who's got a greater chance of winning either Julio winning a Super Bowl with the Titans or Matt Ryan winning a second MVP, whether or not the Falcons should be interested in Malik Hooker, according to various Twitter rumors, what is one player that could be a surprise starter for the team by the end of this upcoming season? And did the Falcons mess up by not taking Jamar Chase in round one, knowing that Julio Jones Jones was on the trade block and we'll get to all those questions, but we'll start things off on today's episode talking about the five rookie draft picks that signed their contracts. We'll sort of get through that. And we'll also talk a little bit about Calvin Ridley talking to the media and sort of looking for someone to sort of motivate him uh, to reach that next level. Now that Julio Jones is out of the building. So let's jump into that topic. So the Falcons did sign five of their draft picks on Tuesday. Jalen Mayfield, their third round pick, all three of their fifth round picks in Taquan Graham, Ade Ogundeji, and Avery Williams, and their sixth round pick in Frank Darby, leaving, of course, four players left to be signed. First round pick Kyle Pitts, second round pick Richie Grant, and both of their fourth rounders in Darren Hall and Drew Dahlman. So I'm suspecting we'll hear from that. Probably many of you guys that's already been put out there by the time you're listening to this on Wednesday, but certainly the expectation in the next few days, uh, those guys will have signed out that the Falcons have the cap space uh, to make those moves post trading Julio Jones. And then on Tuesday, we also got Calvin really speaking to the media. I think since the first time before training camp last year, since last summer and answered a, a bunch of questions about stepping into Julio Jones's shoes. And I thought one interesting tidbit from Ridley was that he has sort of always measured himself and pushed himself to try to outdo Julio Jones while he was here as a way to sort of motivate himself. And he'll have to, he basically said he'll try to find somebody else to motivate him, you know, and I think he mentioned Matt Ryan offhandly. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, you know, I doubt he's going to find someone on this roster that he can look across in the same way that Julio Jones is, unless he's going to look at the defensive side of the ball with someone like a Grady Jarrett in terms of looking for that sort of internal self-motivation. You know, Calvin Ridley is clearly the most talented player on the Falcons offense besides Kyle Pitts. 
And while I'm optimistic one day that we will get Kyle Pitts to be sort of that big um, sort of factor in the offense and be that guy that can push Ridley to outdo uh, him in that way is I doubt he's going to be that guy this year and certainly not at the beginning of this year uh, if if we're guessing. So I, I, I think Ridley's going to have to look outside the organization to find that motivation. After all, he is due for a big contract after this season, uh, a big extension. He'll be in his fifth year option, the fifth and final year of his rookie contract, counting about $11 million towards the Falcon salary cap in 2022. And the expectation is that the Falcons probably looking to lower that number uh, as a way to free up cap space next offseason will probably look to extend them. So he needs to be looking at those guys that he'll be looking to outbid, at least in terms of, you know, the market, in terms of what contract he's going to get. And as those are guys like Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Robbie Anderson, Chris Godwin, DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton. And he's going to have to try to outperform those guys because they're going to be on the market next year and try to get into earning a $20 million a year contract next offseason, which he is potentially able to do if he has a good enough year. And, you know, I've said this before on the podcast. I'm very fascinated to see how this new regime approaches paying big money to players like Ridley, along with guys like Matt Ryan and Grady Jarrett and, and potentially Deion Jones next offseason, not to mention whether or not they're going to open up their wallets to keep that sort of next tier of Falcons free agents like Foye Olakun and Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage and Matt Gano next offseason. And then you know, the following offseason, you know, you're going to not – you're going to be in a similar situation with first round picks like Chris Lindstrom and Kayla McGarry and then AJ Terrell the following offseason at that. And it goes back to something I've discussed previously on the podcast where, you know, I think a lot of people are under this impression that, oh, the Falcons traded Julio Jones. It's part of this sort of big salary cap purge and it was kind of a necessary evil, so to speak. Uh, and in reality, um, you know, they're not escaping calorie salary cap hell anytime soon. And, you know, probably hell using the term hell is, is being a little bit hyperbolic, but we're just talking about the notion of, of paying guys big money. Um, and that's going to continue for the foreseeable future um, at this rate. And, you know, this is why you've heard me talk about things like the pressure that's on this new regime coming into things like this is not some sort of long-term rebuilding project um, where they're going to be justified sort of, getting by and still paying that type of premium money to these guys. Like you can, you can get away with paying premium money if you're a perennial playoff team and ultimately a perennial Super Bowl contender. But if you're not, then you know, you're basically the Chicago bears under Matt Nagy at this point in time. So I'm certainly fascinated to see what product we get on the field from Arthur Smith and company this year. And then I'm fascinated to see what we get from general manager, Terry Fontenot next off season, when he kind of has to make bigger decisions that have major long-term ramifications for this team, rather than what we got this past off season, which seemed to be uh, primarily short term. We'll figure it out later type of stuff. Um, so I am fascinated to what direction this team is going in and we'll just sort of have to wait and see how that plays out. But obviously there's my thoughts on those topics and we'll get into the list, uh, listener question and answer portion of today's podcast, including talking about one free agent that I think the Falcons should sign with their newfound cap space uh, after they get all their rookies signed. Well, they'll still have about $8 million in over $8 million in cap space with, you know, up towards spending five or six million of that towards a free agent and 
who I think would be the one guy that I would spend that money on. And we'll get into that question um, as we continue today's Lockdown Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the NBA side of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, whether they are gearing up for the upcoming NBA draft or they have tied up their second round series against the Philadelphia 76ers. Of course, yes, I'm talking about the Atlanta Hawks. Check out the Lockdown Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Roland on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So our next question is going to be about the sort of one final piece that the Falcons in could spend their free agent dollars on this summer before the season starts. And, you know, we're talking about the, finding the right parts for the right price. And of course, that can be difficult when it comes to your football team, but it's not so difficult when it comes to your car or truck, because all you got to do is go to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new floor mats. You can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose by brand specification and the prices that you prefer. And of course, those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection and reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. So our first question comes from regular old Thomas Willoughby at Willow 2905.92. He asks, paella or risotto? So my mom makes really great paella, um, but it kind of borders on like jambalaya with saffron. Um, I've actually had authentic paella in, in Spain, and it was not particularly good. The rice was very undercooked, and I don't know if that's just a, a thing of how they cook it there. I imagine it was authentic. So I, the, the sort of authentic pie I've ever had, it was not very good. Um, and sort of the one that is like the Americanized Southern version of it was, is actually very good that I've had at home. Um, so I would normally choose paella, but like, because of that experience, when I've gone to restaurants, you know, based off of that experience and based off of the experience of actually having good risotto at restaurants, um, I guess if I was ordering from a restaurant, I would probably get risotto, but paella is better if I'm, if I'm including my mom's recipe. So Kenny G at Grit Splits asks the next questions, which is his Falcons question is, if you could sign one free agent to the team, who would it be? And his non-Falcons question is strawberry or grape jelly. Um, I would sign a pass rusher like Melvin Ingram. As for your non-Falcons question, it kind of depends. You know, I don't put jelly on a lot of things. The few things I put jelly on are like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and biscuits, you know, if I don't have honey readily available. Um, so if I'm making a PB&J, just go with the classic grape jelly. You know, if I'm making a bit, if I have biscuits or something like that, then uh, um, I'll put, I guess, strawberry jelly on that over grape jelly. But, you know, I don't have a strong preference in that regard. Yeah, yeah I was sitting here trying to rack my brain, like, what do I put jelly on other than those two things? Maybe you guys have other things that you put jelly on, but I, I don't put jelly on very many things. Um, chill Vibes at Chill Catch Vibes on Twitter asks, hey, what up? Which of these things are more likely to happen? Number one, Julio wins the Super Bowl with the Titans. Or two, Matt Ryan wins one more MVP award. So I think both of these are both relatively low probability outcomes. You, you know, you're, you're basically saying what's greater, you know, a 7% chance of something happening or a 3% chance of something happening. But I would probably go with Matt Ryan winning a second MVP. You know, Matt Ryan is 36. 
The only quarterback to win an MVP past the age of 37 is Tom Brady at age 40. I don't think Matt Ryan's going to be doing that. There have been four players that have won an MVP at 37. Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Wyatt Tittle, and Rich Gannon. So I think there is a like basically a two-year window for Matt Ryan uh, to win an MVP, even if it's a small chance, like it's been done before. Um, you know, the, the, now that you have that sort of precedent of multiple guys winning MVPs at that age, we also know that there is also a precedent with Falcons hiring new coaches that those guys tend to start fast in Atlanta, tend to have the majority of their success in Atlanta within the first two or so years of their tenure. That was true of Dan Reeves, of Jim Moore, of Dan Quinn being great examples of that. Mike Smith, while technically, I, I guess his third year was the year where the team uh, was, you know, at that level where they could have been considered deserving of an MVP. And the reason for that is, is there's basically two reasons why people win MVPs. The number one reason is they are the quarterback on basically the team that has the best record. So being like we were in 2010, where we were the one seed is meaningful for the MVP category. Um, You know, being a Super Bowl contender, like we were in, under Reeves and, and Mora and, and Quinn in those first two years, uh, it means something in that regard. And the second category is a historically significant season. And Matt Ryan's 2016 MVP award fell in that latter category where the Falcons weren't the best team in the league, but Matt Ryan was putting up numbers at a historically significant rate, similar to, you know, you can compare Adrian Peterson's 2012 MVP season where he had 2000 yards. If, if Derrick Henry would have won the MVP last year, it would have been for having a historically significant season. Um, but, you know, for the most part, MVP winners are basically the quarterback on the best team, or at least one of the teams with the best records. So basically Matt Ryan's chances of maximizing his second MVP would be under probably those circumstances where the Falcons would probably have to go 14 and three um, at some point in the next two years. Um, And I feel like the probability of that happening while low is probably higher than Julio winning a Super Bowl in Tennessee. I don't think the Titans have like a non-zero chance of of winning a Super Bowl, but I don't feel optimistic that like Julio is going to be the last piece of the puzzle, the thing that pushes them over the top, you know, you look at Super Bowl teams and, and my rule of thumb is you got to be elite at something. And I don't necessarily see the Titans being elite at anything defensively. That is certainly far from the case. Uh, they have struggled. They were one of the worst defenses in the league last year. And to me, there's no real reason to think that they're going to be drastically better. They have the, you know, the talent to be a, a competent to good defense um, on paper, but you know, they did very little last year to show that they are basically better than the sum of their parts. And then when you look at the offense where if their defense is not going to be good, their offense is going to have to kind of reach historic levels in order to carry that team to the Super Bowl. Um, So I don't necessarily think Todd Downing uh, is a great bet for that. You know, when you look at sort of the history of guys that have as little play calling experience as Todd Downing has. And again, I'm assuming we're talking about over the next two years because I'm assuming that Julio's only really guaranteed to play one or two years in Tennessee. Um, so unless basically Todd Downing is the next Mike Martz in terms of me trying to think of an example of a person who had like one or two years of play calling experience and led a team to the, in the Super Bowl. Like unless Todd Downing proves to be that guy, I, I don't think the Titans' chances of winning a Super Bowl in the next two years is particularly high. Not to mention they they got to go through better teams like Baltimore and, and Kansas City, who are definitely much better 
suited in in theory um, to be Super Bowl teams because those teams are elite at something, whether we're talking about their offense or defense. The Steelers would also be in that category. Buffalo, if they can continue the trajectory on offense that they had a year ago, certainly would fit in that category. So it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where Titans are going to suddenly leapfrog those teams. It's not impossible, but I would just say, like, again, going back to the previous point, like, you know, maybe there's like a 3% chance of that happening, and, and maybe there's like a 7% chance of Matt Ryan winning MVP. So uh, I would say both are unlikely, but, you know, certainly one seems a little bit more probable than the other. Okay. Through the power of editing, I've thought a little bit more about this topic and, you know, from the perspective of the Titans basically being like a three seed this year, like you could in theory say, okay, if they get the three seed and just get hot in the postseason and AJ Brown or Julio Jones or Derrick Henry, like really sort of go off in the postseason, maybe they could make a, a legit Super Bowl run. And like, that's not crazy to me to think about it. Like, I, I don't, it's not to sit here and say like, oh, the the Titans aren't like, I, if you ask me who's going to win more games over the next two years, I would bet on the Titans. But like, at the same time, like the way I was sort of thinking about this question was more like, if you basically ran up to me, if someone ran up to me and say, hey, Aaron, I'm from the future and Matt Ryan wins the MVP in 2022, like that would not seem as far fetched to me based off of, you know, what we saw with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur's office in year two, what we saw with Matt Ryan in year two of Kyle Shanahan, what we saw with Matt Ryan in year two of Steve Sarkeesian with the sort of the hopeful growth that we will see uh, from Matt Ryan going into year two of Arthur Smith's offense with Kyle Pitts growing, Calvin Ridley in the improved running game, improved offensive line. It wouldn't be crazy to sit here and think, Hey, Matt Ryan could put up, you know, ridiculous numbers in 2022. And that would guide the Falcons to a, a very good record because they're, you know, basically having that elite offense um, that we're hopeful of them having this year. And that's sort of where I was coming at it. Not from a place of like the Titans Super Bowl chances are impossible or anything like that. Like, if you're asking me who's got a greater chance of winning 13 games this year, it's definitely the Titans. And so therefore based off of that, then I guess the Titans have a greater Super Bowl chance. But if you, if you basically told me ran up to me and said, Oh, the Titans win the Super Bowl this year or next year, like I would have a hard time buying that. Like maybe next year, because you know, maybe they win 13 games this year and make it to the AFC championship game. And all of a sudden thinking about the Titans being a Super Bowl team and winning the Super Bowl in 2022 is far less of a, you know, leap that I have to make intellectually or, or whatever the case may be. But that's sort of how I was thinking about it. Not that I really think there's much of a chance, you know, so, so there we'll leave it with that. And we'll get into some of our final questions on today's Q and a episode of the locked on Falcons podcast, including sort of the potential signing of Malik hooker, the free agent safety, as well as maybe the Falcons made a mistake and should have targeted wide receiver Jamar chase in round one, over Kyle Pitts if they knew Julio Jones at that time was on the trade block. So we'll get into those questions coming up on today's podcast. But before we do, guys, I got to tell you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. They have nine delicious flavors. Whether you're a big fan of coconut almond like me, or you prefer mint brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, coconut, or raspberry. 
raspberry. There's something for everyone. And right now you can get all nine flavors bite size with built bites. Same great taste for half the size and half the calories. And built bars are great because they all taste just like a candy bar. My favorite coconut almond tastes just like an almond joy. And it's not just about their great taste. It's about how healthy they are. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. And you can think of built bites as basically being like the fun sized Halloween candy version of the great tasting built bar. And right now, built bites are 15% off at built bar and you can get even more savings with the promo code locked 15 to get another 15% off your order. So if you go to builtbar.com right now, you can get 30% off of built bites with that promo code locked 15. BetOnline is the fastest and easy way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline gives you all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like the month of June to get started at BetOnline. The NHL and NBA playoffs are rolling along, and of course, baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. And if you're curious what BetOnline has to say about the previous Q&A question, the Titans Super Bowl odds currently are 25-1, to 1, while Matt Ryan's MVP odds are 40-1. to 1. So BetOnline thinks the Titans got a greater chance of winning a Super Bowl. So if that's a bet that you want to basically say, I think I know a little bit better than bet online's uh, odds makers, then by all means, head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag. Use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That means if you deposit 200 bucks, you get a hundred dollars in free money to play with, with that promo code locked on bet online, your online sports book experts. So CD three, two, two, four asked, Thoughts on the Falcons' interest in Malik Hooker, and I think he's he screenshotted a tweet from I think NFL Update twenty four seven or one of those um, Twitter handles or whatever. I I saw that as fake news because I haven't seen a single other entity out here reporting that. So you know I'm not going to necessarily put too much stock in that. We'll maybe we'll find out later that Hooker is indeed. Uh, going to visit the Falcons. But to be honest with you, it doesn't really make that much sense for the Falcons to have that much interest in Malik Hooker. The Falcons already signed Deron Harmon, a single high safety like Hooker, and then drafted Richie Grant, who isn't a true single high safety, but like Hooker's not really going to add anything that you're not already getting from those two guys. Um, you know, and I mentioned this in Richie Grant's scouting report. Like, I think Richie Grant could be a competent sort of slot corner. Um, you know, if he was to play that role, but I don't think that's a, play, a role that he sh- should necessarily specialize in, you know, like if the Falcons had drafted Washington's, you know, Elijah Molden or something like that. So if you're going to play these three safety looks after you sign Hooker with Grant covering the slot and Hooker and Harmon sort of in those two high looks, you know, that would make sense. But I don't think that's how you would draw it up your defense after you draft Richie Grant. So I've never had the sort of strong attachment or lure to Malik Hooker as others have. You know, I feel like you've actually gotten a player that's basically been generally as good as him these last couple of years in a Duran Harmon. You know, Hooker's young, but he's injury prone. And I just don't see the value of betting on a 25-year-old safety that has significant injury concerns and has had those injury concerns every year for like the last five years. I'm just not in general, a big fan of reclamation projects and especially ones like hooker where they've never been healthy. It'd be different if, you know, it was like a Keanu Neal who had no real injury concerns at Florida and then beginning his career had no real injury concerns. So when you look back at Keanu Neal's like eight year career, he's only really had injuries in like two out of those eight years. And you contrast it with hooker with the two years he played at Ohio state and the four years he's played in the NFL. 
outside of the, the really his freshman year at Ohio State, he's had injury concerns in every single year. You know, you also factor in that Hooker's coming off an Achilles tear and, you know, similar to what Keanu Neal was a year ago. And, you know, while Keanu Neal finished the season strong, he was kind of terrible in those first six games of the year, right? And if Hooker's on a similar timetable, like what's the point of signing it, right? Why not get a competent, third safety that can give you 17 games instead of say 10 games, right? That you would presumably be getting with hooker if he turns it on in the second half of the season. But, you know, I do understand it to a certain extent. He is a high, he was a highly touted prospect coming out of college. He was billed as the next Earl Thomas, you know, and I think a lot of people want to sort of be the team that reclaims that, that he lives up to that, that hype uh, here in Atlanta. But, you know, personally, I kind of thought he was a little overhyped coming out of, of college. You know, I, I thought he was a legitimately good player, but you know, when he was being comped as like a top 10 talent or whatever, he, I think he went, wind up going 15th overall, you know, I, like I it just, I've never really bought into this notion that you're going to unlock this sort of perennial pro bowl safety. Again, he's a good player when he's been healthy, but he just is never healthy. And so for me, like if you're looking to sign a third safety, a competent third safety that actually could give you 17 games of production, um, you know, why not sign someone like a Bradley McDougal or Kenny Vaccaro, two players that this coaching staff, by the way, are, is very familiar with and certainly add a different skill set than what Grant and Harmon provide because those guys can do a little bit more in the box and, and give you more value in terms of blitzing and all those various things. So, you know, I if it was me running the show, I would let, you know, someone else sign Malik Hooker, you know, let him prove himself elsewhere. And then next offseason, after he's played presumably a healthy year in 2022, you know, where he'll suddenly now become a much safer bet because you've actually gotten one full season of healthy play from Millie Cooker. And you can say, Oh, he can build off of this with me. Then you can sign him, um, you know, next off season and hopefully that he can stay healthy and not have to also deal with the fact that you're only going to get half a year of production from him because he's coming off an Achilles tear. It'll be a year and a half off of coming off a Achilles tear. So like, it just doesn't make any sense to be in on the hooker sweepstakes, let him go somewhere else and then, you know, kick his tires next March. If you're asking me, uh, Jacob at jbeasley117 asks, if you had to pick a surprise player that turns into a starter by the end of the season, who would it be? You know, these surprise player questions are always weird to me because if I was able to predict it, it wouldn't necessarily be a surprise. At least that's how my brain works. Like if something is a legitimate surprise to me, like I would never, ever predict it. So I, I guess to answer your question, Jacob, you know, I guess Matt Gano may be starting at right tackle, I, I guess. Uh, Jonathan Cole at GA tech fan 99 gives us our last question of the day. And he asked, knowing now that Julio wanted out before the, the, the draft, would you have preferred to look harder at Jamar chase? Would a trio of Ridley chase and Hurst be better than Ridley Pitts and gauge? Um, maybe, but I don't think drafting chase made a ton of sense. You know, I think it made less sense in drafting pits. You know, I do love me some Jamar Chase, but finding quality X wide receivers is not as hard as maybe people make it out to be. Certainly not as hard as finding a potential unicorn at the tight end position like Kyle Pitts. Not to mention the extra value that Pitts provides at the tight end position is more valuable than an outside receiver. Um, as we discussed pre-draft because of what he can do to the middle of the field. You know, I, I think in a world where the Falcons knew that Julio was a goner, it wasn't about passing on trace. It was chase. It was more about, Hey, maybe you should have been a little bit 
prioritize addressing your wide receiver depth before round six, instead of waiting until your last pick of the draft to, you know, take Frank Darby, maybe you should have better utilized those mid round picks in like rounds three and four, maybe even round five um, to address your wide receiver depth because you knew Julio Jones was going to be um, around for much longer. So instead of picking guys like Jalen Mayfield and Darren Hall and Drew Dahlman and take Quan Graham, or I'm sorry, to Quan Graham and in those middle round picks in that 68 to 48, 148 range, you know, maybe you should have been targeting players like Josh Palmer, who went 77 to the Chargers, Diami Brown, who went 82nd to the Washington, Nicole, uh, Nico Collins, who went 89th to Houston, Tylon Wallace, 131 to Baltimore, and Simi Fajoko, who went 179 to Dallas. You know, I know a lot of people are buying Frank Darby stock, and I'll be up front. You know, I haven't watched him since the draft, and, you know, maybe I'll change my mind once I sit down and, and watch more film of him within the next week uh, once I get to that. But let's just say I think finding a starting caliber X wide receiver will probably be a priority for the Falcons next offseason to the point that I would not be shocked at all uh, if the Falcons wind up using a day two pick on that position. I just don't think anybody currently on the roster is going to be able to fulfill that need. And that's going to be an area of concern all season long. And it's going to be up to the Falcons to basically scheme around that issue much better than they were able to do last year under Dirk Cutter for most of the season. So there you guys have it. And that's it for today's lockdown Falcons podcast, but that's not it for all the news involving all the sports teams from around the globe. And if you want to find your one-stop shop to covering all the sports news that you need every morning, then check out the locked on today podcast where you can get all that sports news every morning in under 20 minutes hosted by Peter Bukowski. Subscribe to the locked on today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So guys, I, if you haven't, you know, picked up what I've been laying down this week, uh, I am taking it easy for this week and next week, just to sort of recharge and, and get refreshed before the sprint that is, or the marathon, I guess you could say that is going to be the next six months, uh, between, or really the next nine or 12 months, because basically I'm not going to get any days off starting from July through next June. Um, so, you know, these next two or so weeks is going to be three shows a week um, unless I can get a, a compelling guest and I'll be up front. I haven't gotten that person this week. Um, maybe we'll just have some guests next week. So Friday's episode will be the Ade Ogundechi scouting report. And hopefully the, you know, the, the last two scouting reports on Avery Williams and the incomparable Frank Darby will also occur next week. And we'll also have some opportunities to fill the time in with Q and A's and have potential guests on as well. But if you wanted to submit a question to be answered on the next Q&A, of course, you can do so by hitting me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. Appreciate it, guys. Till then.